RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Pro Athlete Supplementation. Check them out at pas-nutrition.co.uk for all your supplementation needs. And don't forget that subscribers to the Rugby Renegade program get a 40% discount on retail prices. Yes, welcome to episode 50 of the Rugby Renegade podcast. And before I talk about today's podcast guest, uh, I'd like to kind of make a point that we've made it to 50 podcasts. And of course, it wouldn't be possible without the guests. So, you know, huge thanks to them. And I'm sure we'll we'll get more good guests on. And of course, thanks to the listeners. Um, that's the reason we do it, to help you with your um, strength and conditioning knowledge and, you know, helping you have more training advice, nutrition advice, uh, rehab advice, that type of stuff. Um, so thank you for listening and giving us the feedback. You know, it's great to, to get positive comments about it and that's why we do it and uh, that's why we've continued to do it for 50 and we will do it further into the future. Um, so great to be the 50th episode and on this episode I welcome Ben Coomber who is not only an experienced nutritionist and personal trainer but... Um, someone who's still playing rugby so it's, I think it's really good to hear his insights and you know someone who's really experienced in nutrition and training and how he you know applies it to his own um, preparation um, so it's interesting and he's also had a lot of experience in rugby so uh, I'm sure you get a lot out of this give it a listen and let us know what you think. Hi Ben welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast great to have you on why don't we start by you just telling us a little bit about your background um, what your current role is and sort of who you've worked with in the past. Yeah, awesome. Thank you very much for having me. So rugby-wise, uh, I've played ever since I was the age of eight. I'm an extremely average player, but I just love the sport and it kind of keeps me on the straight and narrow uh, as long as I don't get too many injuries. Currently play, um, you know, Saturday standard like everyone else. I have worked in the rugby industry for quite a while. My first exposure to that was in, probably would have been when I was 22, so 10 years ago now, uh, worked as the assistant strength and conditioning coach for Hull KR team, rugby league, and also dabbled with their nutrition a little bit. Kind of realized at that point in time, I didn't want to work in rugby pro sport. I just didn't really like the kind of uh, you know constraints within the role that you got. You couldn't really affect the players in the way that you wanted to. Um, also did a, a stint at a few other rugby clubs, coached kids with their rugby uh, as well, but then moved more into the kind of personal training, kind of one-to-one coaching arena. Then in 2018, I was specializing a lot more in the performance nutrition realm and moved largely into like online coaching and then consulting as well. So over the years, I've consulted for a handful of the premiership rugby clubs um, but yeah, focused a lot of my work in the online space. I've also done a lot of public speaking and teaching, speaking at different expos, rugby events, online, all sorts of stuff. Since then, I've done work with um, O2, the RFU, Touch Rugby. Um, these days, don't work an awful lot in the rugby realm apart from kind of more PR and media stuff with England Rugby. Um, and all of this, uh, me getting into the fitness industry was because I used to be obese and suffer with a load of health complaints. And it was kind of me realizing my potential, losing the weight, building muscle, becoming more athletic and wanting to share that message with the rest of the world. 
Cool, that's awesome. Why, why don't we uh, sort of continue to talk about that? Tell us about your transformation and, and kind of what you've learned from it, and, and then applied, you know, to your own practice. So the the thing that got me most passionate about it is that I was listening to all the general advice, and at the age of eighteen, I had all the passion in the world to change, but nothing was really changing. And at the time, I was just sort of running and you know eating good food. And I just wasn't losing any weight, and it was that change of getting better information and I ended up joining a gym and this guy was like hey well I think we should you know change your diet like this and let's start lifting some weights and not doing so much running and let's do a bit more explosive work and I lost uh, four stone in four months which was you know is obviously a really dramatic weight loss and then lost the extra stone and a half um, over the next couple of months and it was kind of that real radical change in my performance my confidence my ability as a player as well I was no longer playing hooker I then transitioned over to uh, being a winger um, at that point in time and yeah it, that kind of process sort of taught me that you know weight loss isn't easy for everyone yeah we all can sit here and say oh yeah it's all about a calorie deficit and all that kind of stuff but you know there's health challenges people have there's time constraint challenges there's lots going on and you know coaching really is about taking all these factors and creating a plan for that person that's going to work yeah definitely that's that's cool now let's go back into your you know rugby performance environment and, and what's your kind of nutritional approach for sports performance and specifically rugby yeah, so management of recovery is really important. For me, there's sort of a hierarchy of needs. Um, I'd say sleep is number one. You could then say hydration and then overall calorie intake. So I have to make sure that I eat enough, uh, which can be challenging on some days. Like many people, um, I sometimes tra train twice a day. So I do weights in the morning and obviously do the skills and drills on an evening time. So making sure you eat enough on a day like that is important because I might need up to about 4,000 calories. Then I think micronutrition is important. So making sure you're getting enough really high quality food on board, taking a few uh, choice supplements. Um, I have a supplement company, so I'm extremely biased about this. Um, but, you know, taking a blend of like creatine and beta aniline is a, is a great performance based supplement. I'm a big fan of magnesium and fish oil for recovery. So make sure I take them without fail. Um, and I think for a rugby player, it's always that management of training load to be stronger, faster and effective versus that recovery balance. And, you know, I think it's something that I'm always sort of trying to fight because, you know, there's always this desire in me to sort of lift more weight so I can, you know, really progress with the strength and the, the, the muscle building. But the reality is there's only so much we can get in the gym before it affects game day and game day is the most important thing, right? So generally i'll train two good sessions a week in the gym and then one short session and then the rest is kind of drills and skills that's roughly my nutritional approach yeah i'm glad you kind of mentioned that that you know you, your your training should improve the the match day stuff but also the the rugby skill side of it you, you don't want it taken away from that obviously you want it to improve your physical ability but not at the expense of your rugby because that's the ultimate thing that's a big message we try and get across that's great and also you, you touched on um when you're talking about micronutrients and, and kind of high quality food so how would you um or, or if you're dealing with a with an athlete how would you encourage them to eat better better quality uh, sources so 
I wouldn't get too caught up in the sources, you know, depending on what people want to do in terms of cost and shopping, whether you're going to a supermarket or a farmer's market or Lidl or all these different places. Like the reality is we need to be eating real food as human beings. So a large part of our nutrition should be plant based. That's fruits, vegetables, whole grains, you know, potatoes, all this kind of stuff. It should be plant based. So I'd say 80 percent of my diet is plant based. The stuff that's not plant based is um a bit of animal protein, you know, a bit of dairy. I've uh, reduced my animal protein consumption a bit over the last couple of months and started to incorporate a bit more uh, variety in my protein sources. Um, but that's always my first port of call. And if people are struggling to do that, it's quite often due to kitchen skills. Like I will happily eat good quality, wholesome food because I'm, I'm all right in the kitchen and I enjoy simple foods. So if you're struggling with this, like invest a little bit of time in cooking and meal prepping some interesting meals, because um, that's really what's going to fuel uh, your body, mind and health. Yeah, definitely that's good advice. And that's something I've seen a lot of the premiership clubs at academy level. They try and, you know, teach the boys at a young age, you know, how to how to cook properly, how to, you know, do the food shopping and buy the right things and get them from an early age learning how to, how to actually look after themselves and, and that's a great skill to have from the start uh you, you touched on a couple of things obviously nutrition is a huge part of recovery and, and i know you've written about um uh recovery being a big limiting factor in performance uh, what, what do you mean by this and what is your approach to recovery so do you want me to talk about like primarily on a game day or just in general just just in general i'm happy to do both if you if you want so in general uh Obviously, I've talked about the key stuff with like sleep, calorie intake and stuff. I think movement and movement quality is important. So I keep I kind of stretch like twice a week. It's about 15, 20 minutes long. I sit in front of the TV and I get like the foam roller out and I've got this hand roller, which I prefer to the foam roller. And I just get stuck into, you know, the little tight scar tissue niggly bits, then stretch off a few key muscles that often restrict me. So I find that if I don't keep my hips nice and mobile, I don't move as well in the on the pitch I'm a nine so that means it limits my pass because I don't move as well through my hips you know going from side to side and moving and making the ball powerful in the pass so that's kind of key for me um you know I think the number one thing for me though is is getting to bed on time making sure I'm getting a really good seven hours of high quality sleep um and then bringing all those other factors on board and for me that will that will make a really well recovered athlete that's cool. Yeah, definitely sleep's uh, a massive thing. There's loads of stuff in terms of correlation with it. Um, la- lack of sleep, you know, more having more sickness and illness and obviously injuries as well. So definitely a, a good point there. Uh, now, this is a question we, we ask all the guests on the podcast, uh, normally kind of S&C related, but you can come at it from nutrition approach or S&C or both. Um, so what do you think is the biggest mistake rugby players make when it comes to S&C or nutrition? Oh, wow, wow, wow. Um <laughs> From an S&C perspective, you know, for me, there's there's many, many ways to get progress. And I remember doing a little bit of work with Leicester Rugby Club. And I went to their, their setup and they had me in the gym and uh, they were talking me through their gym programming. I was, re- I was really surprised at their gym programming because at the time people were talking, you know, the conversation in S&C was like, you've got a squat, you've got a deadlift you've got a bench, like you've got to do all these standard things because it just evolved in the industry that they're just movements that are better than others. 
And I went into Leicester Rugby Club and they had this machine um, which basically looked like a really fancy leg press. And they were like, we sit the guys on here, they do five sets of five and they just try and push as much weight as humanly possible with one leg. And they said, all we're looking to do is get a strength and power stimulus maximal as possible. And he said, with all the players that we have, all the different injuries, all the different body shapes and movements, we don't have time to get people doing the perfect squat. And because of people's, you know, the bleed or movement, he said, let's get them on a leg press and let's get them pushing the most weight as possible. And then they talked about the press and they were doing a floor bar, football bar press. Um, and then they talked about um, a pull and they gave the players a, three different options of a pull movement. And it was either a weighted chin up, um, a prone fixed row, um, or I think it was kind of like a pendulum row. And they said, all we want is our players to come in the gym once a week minimum and do these three core exercises push hard and at least get a five out of five and then do a little bit of conditioning and it kind of made me think about how sports are developed in rugby and it's like you should do this and you should do that and it's like for ages ages i'd struggled with my own snc programming because i've been trying to always squat heavy and i've been trying to always deadlift heavy and i just found it was beating my body up too much on top of the rugby so I moved to a lot more kind of free weight, single leg approach. So I quite often do like lunges, heavy lunges with a sandbag and then like drag something. Um, I'll squat with like kettlebells and put a pause in it rather than a fixed bar. I don't deadlift because I just find it causes more problems um, that, than benefits. And it's kind of like really analyzing why people say things, where they come from, what they feel the benefit is, and then working with your body, your time constraint, your performance demands, and ultimately the level of progress that you're trying to seek and creating a plan that genuinely fits you and your needs and leads to positive outcome. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's cool, really interesting. I uh, agree that you, you know, sometimes S&C coaches and, and everyone has kind of biases, uh, you know, towards exercises and things like that. But ultimately the reason you're in the gym is to improve your physical capacity to play rugby. So it could be any exercise that, that gets you to that, um, so long as it does you know, improve that physical capacity. So yeah, some really good points there. I was, um, um, what, so what, kind of a just a little tangent there. I was working with a rugby coach um, probably about six years ago, and he'd just been on a, an Olympic lifting course. And he then came into the club, and he was trying to get all the boys to do um, like a, a hang, sort of a hang power clean. And the amount of time this guy spent in the gym trying to teach all these boys the movement and also teach it around shoulder niggles, um, like all these kind of problems. And I just think sometimes you've got to accept that even though this exercise might be the best exercise ever, if this person had the time to learn the movement and had the mobility to perform it, et cetera, et cetera, when you've got a team and you've got 20 lads and you need to get them in and out of a gym in, a, in an hour and 15 minutes – You've got to be choosing the right kind of processes and the right kind of movements to get the best outcome given the situation. Yeah, and and you know with the demands of the rugby technical tactical training, there's so many skills you've got to learn and improve on that side of it. So essentially in the gym, you want it to be really simple so you can just hammer that that strength or that power development that, you, that you're targeting. So yeah, definitely. Now, what, what about nutrition-wise, biggest mistake? Oh... Probably focusing too much on just sort of overall protein. There's kind of that that perspective that meat just, you know, 
is great for building muscle and all the rest of it. And while that is totally, totally needed, there's probably a huge amount of people that are really overdoing the protein. And we could actually focus more of those um, overall calories on more plant-based foods, really getting an awful lot of you know greens in there, fruits and vegetables, and just getting nutrient quality in there because that's going to impact recovery more than hitting three grams of protein per kilogram of body weight compared to two grams of ki- protein per kilogram of body weight. Um, so that's probably the key thing for me. Yeah, oh, cool. Right, so um, talking talking about uh, fat loss and body composition, um, and how not everyone finds it easy, as you said, not everyone finds it easy to lose weight. Um, how would you uh, approach or troubleshoot with a, a client who's struggling to lose uh, body fat? So are we still talking the rugby player or general public now? Uh, still still rugby, still rugby. Yeah. yeah, so where possible, I would try and work with a rugby player on their fat loss um, outside of the season or when they've got a period where there's not as much of a performance demand. If they're in season, for me, fat loss has to be really slow, really gradual. Otherwise, we risk uh, decline performance because of the calorie deficit. Um, one of the big things in rugby generally is the social environment around rugby will quickly put a stop to fat loss. So, you know, you know, even from semi-professional upwards, you know, the boys are going out for Nando's together and a couple of beers and all that kind of stuff. And that stuff can really quickly get out of hand. You know, you might have a, a prop forward at 19 and a half stone that can go out and eat a whole platter of Nando's chicken and it not affect or, you know, push him over his calorie demands. Well, the, the 12 stone nine winger, he's not going to be able to eat a whole Nando's platter. So actually the social environment around rugby can cause a lot of problems with people sticking to a term fat loss goal so where possible out of season so we can we can manage the variables a bit more because we don't have to worry about playing on saturday um i'm a big fan of trying to probably load your calories around your training windows a bit more so to make sure that your trainer doesn't suffer in any way um and then generally eating a bit lighter during the day and a bit heavier in the evening so again we can kind of load the calories in a way where people find it a bit more enjoyable to eat those foods and it's a bit more sociable me like a lot of people you know i go out for food a couple of times a week traveling all that kind of stuff when you start to back your calories towards the end of the day for me it makes your diet a lot more uh, doable with um you know the constraints of time and social environments yeah, that's an interesting point because it flies uh, against probably one of the, the myths of, you know, don't eat calories later on or don't eat carbs later on at night. Are there any other kind of myths out there that you can dispel for our listeners? Oh, the, the other key one is probably, you know, low carb diets are best for fat loss. They're not. And from a performance point of view, it's probably a bad idea to go on a low carb diet. Um, ultimately, the calorie deficit is king for fat loss. The key thing with a rugby player is maintaining their muscle mass during the diet. So we want to keep making sure this person's uh, engaging in resistance training. We want to make sure that protein's probably at least 1.8, if not 2 grams per kilogram body weight plus. Um, so they would be absolutely key. Um, but a diet has to work for people. And if it if it works for you to you know, eat lighter in the day or lighter at night or whatever. Ultimately, as long as the the, the fat loss is happening from um, even calorie distribution, whether it's a 24-hour cycle or a seven-day cycle, really that's what we, we need to aim for. Yeah, 
Cool, great advice. Uh, and kind of following on from that in terms of match day performance, what, what's your approach? Do you kind of uh, do a kind of carb load building up to the day before a game? So uh, generally not, mainly because a, an athlete's diet should be fairly dense in carbohydrates anyway. If they're eating enough for their needs then they should have enough glycogen stored in their muscles to perform optimally um but there's no harm in putting you know a carb heavy meal on a friday night to make sure it's a very personal process uh, game day nutrition for me personally if i think about saturday um i also tie my performance into what will happen in my social environment on a weekend because it's not just about rugby for me it's about friends and family and food and all that kind of stuff so i'll generally get up um let's say half six seven o'clock on a saturday morning i'll have something light like sometimes i'll just have like a protein bar and an apple or something like that and then late morning like 11 o'clock i'll have a big meal might be something like oats related or eggs toast mushrooms that kind of stuff and then obviously uh, like a lot of people i'll be playing around three o'clock in the afternoon so it's a small meal big meal performance i'll then take something liquid based after the game quite often just a protein shake because i know i'm going to go in the bar and have a pint as well um and then i'll have a big meal at like six seven eight o'clock at night with you know family friends that kind of stuff and that's generally how i look at my game day nutrition oh, that's cool that's great um, and then I, I know you said you're biased on this subject, but what's your kind of approach in terms of supplements with your athletes? Yeah, keep it simple um, before you start getting complicated. So always factor in health first. So health basis would be fish oil, vitamin D, magnesium uh, and zinc to cover your health basis. Then from a performance baseline, you'd want to be taking sort of a creatine and beta-aniline blend because um, they're going to have the biggest effect on performance. After that, you're going to be wanting to look at how you time and dose your caffeine. Caffeine is an ergogenic aid that's highly effective, but a lot of people are quite often not getting the dosing right. You know, so just having a coffee before you train might be ineffective for, a, you know, again, a 19 and a half stone prop. This guy might be needing like three, 400 milligrams of caffeine to really get an ergogenic boost from it. So looking at caffeine um, as a legitimate ergogenic aid and looking at the dosing for me would be important. And then after that, you can start to play around a little bit with other nutrients. But from a real basic like 50 pound a month kind of level, that's what I would look at. And then you can obviously look at getting a protein shake on top so that you can start you know, adding protein to shakes and smoothies and maybe having one after the gym or training to kind of make sure you've got that flexibility of protein intake. That's cool. I'm glad you, you mentioned caffeine. Um, so just ask your opinion on this. Obviously, uh, sometimes people go to town on the caffeine midweek and then not so much on the weekend or, or they don't realise then how much they should take on the weekend. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that? Well, caffeine for me like anything should be purpose driven so why are you taking it most clients that i will coach i'll get them to focus on a morning caffeine dose so most people like a coffee or a cup of tea when they wake up and that's awesome crack on and then for me the other key dose in your week is before you perform so whether it's training whether it's the gym whether it's game day you're looking at a caffeine dose one of the things 
players need to be wary of is quite often training can be at night, especially at the lower level. So I train at 7.30 to 9 p.m. at night. So I'll take my caffeine around 6.30 p.m. And I'll only take about 200 milligrams because anything more, it then disrupts my sleep when I want to go to bed because I like to try and get to bed quite early because I want to be up early for my work. So, yeah, it's about looking at everything for a purpose rather than just like, oh, I think I need it. It's like caffeine's there for a reason. A, helps us wake up and perform better. B, it's a legitimate performance aid. So treat it as such. Yeah, that's great. Obviously, there's no point performing better if you then can't recover from it. So obviously, it's important to take your sleep into account now, which is great advice. Um, again, this is a question we ask all the guests. And it's what advice would you give to an upcoming strength coach? Ooh, um, oh, be receptive to the individual's needs and demands. Um, it's very hard in a rugby environment to kind of like standardise almost an S&C approach because quite often you're given say 30 players and you've got to work to that um, try as best as you can to work personalized changes into the program so it might be that your training programs are split into like three sections strength component um, accessory work conditioning for example it's like how do we bring those personalized elements so if someone's got a shoulder impingement you like what can they do right floor press that kind of stuff and it's making that um perform well that that type of training for the group but also be able to look at the individual and quickly personalize it when you're in that group training environment yeah that's cool and are there any uh, books or resources you'd recommend for them oh um i'm probably a bad person to ask because i don't invest a lot of my time in the snc side of um elite performance these days you've got like the essentials of strength and conditioning uh, conditioning you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm sure there's way better people to ask um, because I'm primarily on the performance nutrition side of things. That's where kind of my knowledge bank is from. Yeah, well, so um, so in that sort of realm, what would you, anything you'd suggest? Um, you know, essentials of sports nutrition and supplementation was always a bit of a Bible for me growing up because uh, I did the ISSN uh, course through okay. America um yeah i mean we run nutrition courses as well so we have four, four textbooks we have a performance nutrition textbook as well um but that those would be that would be my one key one if people were looking for a quick one that they can get off amazon cool that's great thanks and uh lastly ben where can uh, where can people learn more about you and, and what's kind of the future you got in store for yourself Sure. Uh, I am Ben Coomber all over the internet, you know, bencoomber.com, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I have uh, the UK's number one rated health and fitness podcast, Ben Coomber Radio, where we talk um, performance, nutrition, mindset, training, health, all sorts of stuff. But yeah, Ben Coomber all over the internet. Um, the future for me is to keep helping people and educating people and uh, leading them to better levels of health and performance. And that's through the sort of various things that I do on social media and the various businesses that I run. That's cool, Ben. Thank you um, for your time today and sharing your insights. Uh, it's been great to talk to you and, and it's good to, to hear you're still playing um, and uh, tying that in with, with everything you're doing and keeping busy. Uh, thanks again and all the best. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Cheers.
So there you go. I think you'll agree that episode 50 was another good episode of the podcast. Uh, thank you, Ben, for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, much appreciated and all the best in the future. Uh, and in the meantime, guys, keep uh, subscribing to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, or, of course, iTunes, and give us a five-star review. Uh, there are more podcasts on the way. Uh, I guess the next milestone is 100, so uh, keep a lookout for us. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Renegade Podcast. For more quality rugby strength and conditioning information, check us out at RugbyRenegade.com. Rugby Renegade, building machines.